Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for just one book. Not two, just one. And to help me. I brought seven books. Is that a problem? <laughs> yeah, I just we need got- one of them. Oh, now we have to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's tough. That's tough. Uh, Nick, my name is Joe Holshue. We brought the book Aragon this week. Um, You've seen it. It's got like the dragon on the cover. It's really thick. Yeah, it does have a dragon on the cover. And I've just I've just sent you guys um, a a screenshot of a tweet about how the dragon on the cover of Aragon looks just like Frasier. So you can just check your. um, uh, uh, I'll introduce myself. Uh, rar, Nick, and uh, <laughs> rar to you too, Joe and Litheads rar. out there. Rar, uh, I'm Doctor of Dragons, Doctor Ian Young. I'm a mm-hmm. high school dragon teacher, and this week, if you're looking about a cop out, looking for a cop out book about dragons entitled Aragon, I don't think it's a cop out book. I did bring, I did bring Dale Carnegie's self help book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. How to Win Friends and Influence Dragons. Yep. Ooh, yeah they have a very high charisma score very Basically, hard to influence well actually in this book you don't influence the dragon in soviet russia dragon influences you <laughs> jesus don't laugh at that <laughs> i think it's funny i don't even well okay but the, the deal russia didn't even come up the deal the deal is nick in this book you can't like choose a dragon and tame it the dragon has to can't choose you right so the wand chooses the wizard the dragon chooses you precisely May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Guys, I don't know anything about this book, but when Ian texted me before an episode saying, you should definitely look up the one-star reviews, <laughs> I'm a little, it's a, it's concerning. So this is a, a Lithead recommendation by Jacob, a fan of the show. Not friend of the show. Jacob is still mm-hmm. living, I believe. We we're pretty sure as of like four months ago when he submitted this. When he submitted his recommendation <laughs> months and months and months and months ago, this is what he said. Uh, Reason for Greatness, classic dragon series written by a 15-year-old. That's crazy. We'll get back to that. Um, Crazy. uh, I'm assuming incessantly throughout the rest of this episode. Captivating, amazing series. First book is a gem. So did we bring the first book today? Yes. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. There's four books in a trilogy, which is always my favorite. He was planning on it being a trilogy, and then he wrote four books, which is great. That's that's a lot of planning. I mean, I get get it. He's still still better than our good old friend, George R.R. Martin, who said, I'm going to write a trilogy. Right. And still hasn't finished. Couple, He's on book six. Couple less books than he had intended. Yeah. Douglas Adams, I think, also said that The Hitchhiker's Guide was going to be a trilogy, and, uh, and w- of which there's like eight books in it. Um, right. And he, right. until the end of his life, continued to call it the trilogy, right. Right. which is just great. Why do you think, why do you think there's this kind of aim for trilogies, this misery for trilogies? Because, because it's a thing. Like, Mm-hmm. Do you think it's just the influence of stuff like the Lord of the Rings, which is, is seen as some sort of a benchmark? Oh, maybe. I wonder if it's just the three act structure on like a meta scale where they're like, well, right. if I, yeah. I I have to tell a big story, right. I'm going to need three books. Beginning, middle, end. It's story. It's, it's, it's well, easy yeah. to work with. 
But you know like, what I mean? I wonder, like you have the setup, you have the bullshit in the middle, like where they do something and then you have the end right? where it all comes together. That's what people Bump want. Bump set spike, baby. Yeah. Bump huh. set spike, baby. Mm-hmm. I think that, that was on the back face? of uh, Lord of the Rings, the book. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the spines of the three. So you can, <laughs> you can put them next to each other. Um, weirdly, the Hobbit is where the baby is. So if you put them in the correct order, it's baby, baby bumps that spike, which doesn't work. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. okay. Is the baby okay? <laughs> no, you spike the baby. Okay. Spike the baby's the not baby. good. Well, yeah. welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week Strong I podcast. normally pick a theme, and Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers, bring book recommendations. But every once in a while, we get lazy, and we just bring one. And to help us stay on our, track. Our friends, Andrew. Yeah, stay on track. Um, we do have some show rules uh, that do apply, uh, despite this rule of chaos. Uh, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Okay. Thank this you. is an abbreviated okay. episode. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And rule number three, only winning matters, which is of course uh, irrelevant today um, because then, we're all winners. And then also um, there are the, sh- the shadow rules, which are the same every week. Unsanctioned. Uh, and um, this, this week, as always, they are um, bump set and spike spike, spike yeah. dribble i think we should call abbreviated episodes apps just apps apps oh yeah a, if we want to if we want people to hate us for being tools right it's an app that ship has sailed my friend <laughs> <laughs> welcome to this app. nick you say that you um we were doing this because we're lazy and obviously that's true mm-hmm. but there's also a degree to which this was requested to be a cop-out Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. Oh, there's more to the note. I didn't see that. There was a hard return <laughs> on the message. Um, there's Litheads <laughs> live discovery here. We have more to Jacob's message. Uh, return, hard return, space, requesting a cop out episode. After this read, I'd like to know where you rank this on your favorite dragon books. Okay, let's mm, list wow. all the dragon books we can possibly list right now. Oh my God. Okay, Smog, Lord no, of the Rings. No. No, Lord, of the Rings, Lord of the Rings actually doesn't have any dragons in it. Just, oh, just God. Can we just, just put that on repeat for the rest of the episode? That <laughs> might be the greatest soundbite to ever hit this show. Actually, Lord of the Rings didn't have a dragon in it. That's fucking great, Ian. I love that so much. Well, it's going to be my ringtone. That's, that's, the, that's the quality content I provide. You'll notice I did. Litheads, this is an audio medium. I did adjust my glasses by pressing on the bridge of the nose. So just have that notice. in your sort of mental. My God, yeah. What what makes okay. a dragon Any book other? a dragon book? You like like dragons? Well, well, hey, do you guys want to know a Hobbit fact? There's a dragon in it. The in a dragon the in, in universe explanation for why the Hobbit story comes before Lord of the Rings is that Gandalf knew about Smaug and he didn't want Smaug to join Sauron, and so oh. the Hobbit is set up as kind of like yes. Gandalf is trying to help the dwarves achieve their elven tre- their ancient treasure but also he's he's eliminating a huge threat in the north because if Sauron who is rising at the time of of the hobbit if he were able to team up with Smog the whole shape of the lord of the rings would be totally different I want to see that book that sounds awesome yeah, where just smog it, eats all the little, <laughs> all the little, oh God, all the little short like people. One pass uh, over the Shire, like like Hobbiton would be like one straight. Little, little known fact: that's actually what the the new Amazon series is going to be about. <laughs> that's, that's an alternate 
That'll be our fan fiction. There's a fan fiction idea. I'm sitting here thinking about all the dragon books I've ever read or all the dragon books I know about. I don't think I know about that many dragon books. Like, I can think of The the Hobbit. I can think of, well, wait, Sean Connery. Um, I guess, like, the George R.R. Martin stuff must, like, it has dragons in it. Yeah, yeah. Dragonheart, was that a book first? Or I assume that came from some sort of rich novel. There's a book called The Paperbag Princess. It's a children's book. And um, a princess is attacked. Her castle is attacked by a dragon. That's, so, a, good, that, I that's guess a good dragon book. To circle back to Jacob, you know, this thing is going to crush it. There's not that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a lot well, of competition. It's weird because like, like a lot of the one star reviews I was reading were like, this is so the dragon aspect of this is so cliche. Oh, really? <laughs> I think that I think that. Actually, I have a one-star review for that, but oh, I'm, okay. this is a teaser. I'm going to come oh. back to it. Well, I was just going to say that I think that I think that maybe maybe the dragon is more we 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 believe it to be more culturally saturated than it actually is. Like we imagine that the dragon is the quintessential sign of fantasy and nerdery, but in mm. fact, if you sit down and look at it, there aren't quite so many actual dragon dragon right. Books. You know, even in Dungeons and Dragons, Yes. There's not that many yes. dragons. Like it's not. I played Dungeons and Dragons for literal years, we and we never even fought a dragon. Oh, never even fought a dragon. I played dungeons. dungeons and Dragons once, and in the first time we played, within the first thirty minutes, the a dragon ate my character, and I had to make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other. <laughs> that end sounds of the like you were being punished by. Uh, your remember when I master. teased out a one-star review for dragons? Yeah, uh, here it is. Ago, yeah. Yep. Not wait until the end of the episode. Here it is no, right now. We'll, we'll forget. Um, this comes from a one star review from Love of Hopeless Causes. Jesus. Oh I don't think hey, I don't think that's, that's their given name. name. <laughs> no. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Dear authors, dragons are not for writing. Please stop oh. writing reptilian My Little Pony fantasies. Dragons are terrifying, hard to kill, and unknowable. As in the movie Aliens. I think he means alien because they kind of knew a little bit more about the aliens in yeah, the second absolutely. one. Yeah. Um, but in alien, it was definitely this, you know, it's hard to kill unknowing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I guess what love of hopeless causes is really looking for is some accuracy to real life. Yeah. Factual, factual, factual dragon, uh, just the dragon facts. Please. And so I guess, you know, let's get into the book a little bit. What is the, what is the plot and is it accurate? Um, I can I can talk a little bit about the plot. I can do it perhaps 30 seconds. Um, yeah, but first, I want to talk to you about. Um, dragon uh, lore. <laughs> no, not dragon. Not dragon I've actually lore. prepared a thesis on dragons. <laughs> <laughs> there was I want to talk about real life dragons. Actually, the Komodo dragon is the only dragon in real life. Good and call. It does not breathe. <laughs> it does not breathe fire. But it's very like vicious and it eats you really well. It's effectively it eats animals and people very effectively. Um, and it's such a bonkers beast that for a long time, people weren't sure whether it actually had a poisonous bite, a venomous bite, or it was so it had such nasty, grody teeth that the bite of this beast oh, infected no. you with bacteria from its nasty calcified teeth. Mm, gingivitis. Ian, can we call this right. segment um, uh, a peek behind the Komodo? We could, or we can call it Dragon Bites, but I think I like a peek behind the Komodo better. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, it's your segment. 
uh, recently there's been some uh, evidence to suggest that dragon, <laughs> Komodo dragons actually actually do breathe fire. Actually, <laughs> actually spend 15 minutes after a meal licking and cleaning their teeth. And it oh. might sound something like this. Oh, good God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the goal of this was just to set that up. Uh, 33 Brilliant. seconds. In a world where dragons fly, elves do magic, and witches tell the future, one farm boy receives an incredible gift, a oh. dragon of his very own. This boy, whose name is Aragon, will learn the old tongue, train with the blade, fight monsters, meet dwarves, and have a conversation with a beast called a werecat. Christopher Paolini's fantasy epic Aragon, named after its title character Aragon, is the book we read this week. Why didn't they spell it with an A, like in Lord of the Rings? I think that would make the, the, the stealing from Lord of the Rings too obvious. Oh, did they steal a lot from Lord of the Rings in this book? What's it about, Ian? The the connection that the, the the sort of derivative thing that I heard a lot of, I saw a lot of, was people saying this is basically Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, um, with uh, Darth Vader. Luke Skywalker, all your friends. Well, there is there is like there is like an evil king who sends his scary dark minions. There's an unassuming farm boy whose farm is burned down after he discovers a gift of incredible power. There's an old man who kind of mentors him along the way. Um, there is a sort of like an I am your father moment, but not really. Um, it's just there's there's a lot. There's a lot I think you could say that is either it's it goes back to the Lord of the Rings question with with trilogies and stuff. Either this book is deliberately cribbing or accidentally cribbing from stuff that's come before, or it's just kind of hitting a lot of the classic tropes, a lot of the classic archetypes. Maybe it's not just stealing. Maybe it's just kind of. Do you think a 15 year old boy could be greatly influenced by uh, Star Wars? I, I, I really I can't see a world. Likely. Basically, Nick, there is a there is a kid, a, a farm boy who discovers a. Um, glowing blue not glowing a blue rock in the woods um fast forward to it's a dragon egg and now he has a dragon and there are people hunting him oh like denarius and he uh he very and he just he he discovers he's um able to communicate with the dragon in his mind and his dad is killed his grand sorry his uncle is killed and he goes on a revenge quest but and i'm gonna talk about this later it doesn't really like stay a revenge quest it becomes kind of a bunch of things and it does do that fantasy thing where they travel through all the different biomes in order to um you get to see the whole kind of the whole world um there is revenge there is Gross monsters. There's some light torture. Nothing too graphic. That's good. Um, there are secret mountain fortresses. Um, there's some good battles. He learns how to use magic. It's very much kind of like um, young young farm young farm boy discovers he's the chosen one. Um, I, w- I was doing research for this, and, and I it feels at some points kind of like YA, and other points it doesn't feel so much like YA. Uh, it is. This is YA? this is a young young adult. This is young. Oh. This is young adult fiction. This is oh. this is. Along the lines of Harold Potter um, and Harry and Potter, elk, which is a famously another another dragon. There are dragons in Harry Potter, right? There, there is a dragon in Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so um, th- this book, when it was written, I think it was 
for young adults. It was young adult fiction. And, and uh, in terms of sort of the, the devotion that some people like have to it, there's similar similarities to the Twilight series. Um, kind of Uh-oh. very much of the same era, you know, um, um, mass, ju- like just before social media got big, people were kind of trying to find identity online, um, forums and things like that. This became sort of like one of those touchstones like Twilight. Um, the thing about the thing about like this book in 2022 is that I think a lot of the people who like it now like it nostalgically. Yeah. So like there are still some people coming to it fresh and like, wow, this is amazing. But there are a lot of people who read this in, you know, 10th grade who read this as they graduate high school, thought it was amazing and now are coming back to it because there's the live action remake, um, uh, the live action series on Disney Plus. And there's kind of a, a, an upswell of, oh, yeah, I, I loved this. And maybe that upswell is not so much. I think this is like high quality fantasy literature, but. I enjoyed this. I have very fuzzy, positive memories of this book from a time in my life when things were less complicated. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's funny that you say that because like we see students read a lot of books, obviously. And this is a book I don't really ever see students with. Like they don't, they tend not to rediscover it. Maybe I should be pointing them in this direction, but, but it's something that I do think like has had a bit of a resurgence. It is remembered fondly from, you know, all these 35 year old nerds that are out there. Um, and now, well, bring back Aragon remake, Disney plus dot plus. Plus, please say please. Yeah. D- Disney plus. Nick, can I tell you a little bit about the publishing of this book? Because it has kind of an interesting story. I've been waiting. All right. Um, and Ian, feel free to jump in anywhere that you'd for like. a story here. like this. Perfect. Um, Christopher Pellini was a homeschooled young man. He graduated his high school, uh, I guess his correspondence course, at, uh, at the age of 15 years old. And around that time was writing what would become Aragon, what would become the first draft of this book. Um, he cranked it out over a couple of years. You know, he describes writing it all out on legal pads first and then and then going back and fleshing it out. Um, and his parents read it and were like, hey, this is pretty good. Would you be interested in self-publishing this book? And he said, sure. I'm sorry, his parents said this? Yes, his parents uh, were his first readers of this, his mom and his dad. What? What did they know about self-publishing? Okay, who are his parents? <laughs> Great question. His parents okay. owned a small publishing company. Okay, there it is. There uh, well, it but, is. There's the nepotism. <laughs> oh, honey, this is so good. Because well, I was <laughs> wow. curious about this self-publishing company. So I was like, what else did they publish? Like, they talk about this publishing company. They talk about this publishing company. The closest I've been able to find is before this book, they had published two other books. And I have cannot find what those books were, like what they were about, what genre they were in, like what exactly the, the realm is. Sounds like a pyramid scheme. Well, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting because some accounts of this represent these parents as just really supportive parents who had kind of a kind of a slapdash um, uh, sort of thrown together, like not not publishing titans, not like. No, um, but. So, so like this is one telling of the events of the publication of this book. The other telling, which I see in a lot of these one-star reviews, is his parents were were cuddled up to the publishing industry. They were publishing professionals. They just greenlit this thing all the way through. And it's really, I think, like, do you want this to be um, plucky underdog makes good or 
um, arrogant overdog makes bad. Who, who cares? Well, I mean, right, like it's not a whatever. Who cares? Right. Well, and I think it's kind of interesting because like in the in the background that I did for this, it feels to me like that second story, his parents were caught up to the publishing industry. That feels to not be the case to me. Like, right. After he self-published this, this kid hit the road at 16 years old. Nick, you're going to love this. He did a tour, a nationwide tour of any bookstore, school or library that would have him where he talked about writing in. This is the good part in a full medieval costume, including (laughs) (laughs) including laced up boots and leather and a cape. Um, He he went around the nation um, like hucking his book, hawking his book to rooms of anybody who would listen to him. I like the idea of him hucking his book at people who. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he he did he did like kind of put in the grind and it's and again this 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 kind of uncertainty about the the book's origins some would say well that's nice that he could travel around the u.s um for a year that seems like a, a mark of privilege the other side of it is he was he's he said in, in interviews some days he would sell like 40 books and he'd be like that was a good day yeah, I will. I do feel like if you sell 40 self-published books in a day, that is a pretty good day. That is a pretty good day. Yeah, I'd <laughs> like to sell 40 good. books um, in any day. While Christopher was on this nationwide tour, he had a little bit of luck that he stumbled into. Mm-hmm. Published author. I, Ian, are you familiar with this author? I had never heard of him. The name rings a bell. I couldn't say I've read any of his work, but he 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 seems like one of those people who is sort of one of the grand old men of of um, of uh, science fiction yeah, like it's like, oh, this guy, he's got 20 published novels, almost all of them on the New York Times bestseller list. But then I read through the list and I'm like, yeah, I've, I've never heard of any of these. Right. This author, Carl Hiasim, is on vacation. His stepchild buys one of these copies of Aragon after seeing Christopher speak, reads it, devours it and is like, dad, dad, this is like the best book I've ever read. That author then brought it to his publisher and was like, hey, here's this self-published book. It's something that you guys might be interested in. And they read it and they were like, yeah, we're super interested in this. Um, they published it and it ended up being the third best-selling YA book of that year after one of the Harry Potter books that came out that year and one of the Lemony Snicket books that came out mm. that year. So big deal. Nick, all of that is to prep for the game that I brought today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Nick, do you know the word wunderkind no do you know the word wunderkind nick yes from the office uh okay uh can you it is uh a very young very talented person a very young very talented person a person who achieves some very high degree of success in a very complicated field at a very young age uh so nick the game i brought today is called overkind or Wunderkind, um, in which you are going to tell me, I'm going to give you the accomplishment of a Wunderkind. Um, you, I am then going to give you an age, and you are going to tell me if the actual age that person was when they accomplished that thing wow. is over or under the number that I gave you. Joe, I love this game already. Please keep going. Yes, over or underkind. Um, Joe, I just got to say, you are still remain the king of... Um, naming games. I, I think I thought it was a really good one. So, for example, um, if I say Mozart goes on his first tour of Europe, age 
eight, you are either, if you think it's younger or he's older than eight, you're going to say, no, 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 overkind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or no, I, if you I, I think, think he was it. younger yeah, than under, that, you're yeah, going under, to say yeah. underkind. Yeah. Higher or lower? I've played prices Right rules. Um, Got it. Perfect. So, uh, and, it, and it's never going to be the exact age. The, the age that I give you is never going to be the exact okay. age. I'm going to say, so if you said eight, I would say he was actually younger. Wunderkind. 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 Uh, uh, Mozart tours Europe for the first time. AJ. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Uberkind. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Um, uh, Nick, congratulations. You get one <sighs> Underkind point. Suck Mozart it. first toured Europe at the age of six. Oof. Gross. Pretty um, little. <laughs> can we call them can we call them under points sure yeah nick you get one under point okay well it sounds like i have less points though i don't like that <laughs> i would like them called big big man points okay well you could call them whatever you'd like they're yours they're they're in your okay in your i'm gonna satchel. call mine big man points ian what are you gonna call yours i'm gonna call mine dragon fire that's great <laughs> thank you second one over kinder <laughs> under kid bobby fisher becomes a chess grandmaster, age 15 Overkin. I think he was older than that. I'm going to say under, underkind. Underkind. Um, Bobby, Bobby Fischer at the time was the youngest grandmaster in the history of chess. He was aged 14 when that happened. <sighs> All right. This is a real close to the real number. Dragon fire point for me. Yeah, hey, hey can we just take a brief side note to say, chess, get it together. Stop calling your people grandmasters. That sounds like the KKK. It sounds a little <laughs> KKK-ish now that you mention it. Yeah. Let's call them grand dragons. Um, Venus Williams becomes a professional tennis player, age 13. Oh, overkind. What, uh, becomes a grand what? Venus Williams becomes a grand dragon on the WTA. Uh oh, canceled. No, Venus Williams becomes a professional tennis player. She declares her professionalism and she begins. Yes, I'm going to say over because don't you have to be 18? No, you don't. Never mind. Under, way too, way too old. So Venus Williams became a professional tennis player at age 14. So this would be overkind. Um, And she actually became a professional tennis player at that age. They didn't quite, they weren't quite ready for her to be that, but they were about to change the rules Mm. to make the age older. So they declared her as a professional tennis player. She became playing professionally, which is why you didn't hear about Serena Williams, her younger system sister for quite a few years after that. Interesting. uh, So she was kind of, she was kind of grand Williams then. She was grand Williams then. All right. Um, Nick, how many points do you have? Um, I think I have six points. No, Nick has one big man point, one (laughs) tiny big man point, and I have two dragon points, dragon fire points. Oh, all right. I've got another one for you. Uh, This one's a more more historic. Alexander the Great wins his first battle. Age 18. Overkind? Or underkind. See, Ian, do you think he, I feel like he's trying to get us with these numbers? Like it's, it's, yeah. he said 18. It's either going to be 17 or 19. You know what I mean? Which is functionally the same. Which is functionally the same. Um, I'm going to say way, that's way too old. I bet he like already had raped his village several countries by then. I'm going to say uh, Wunderkind. You think he was like 16? I bet, or yeah, I like bet he that. was 12 by the time he beheaded the couple people. Yeah, um, it, he won his first battle um, at the age, actually, of an old man. He was 22 years Gross. old. What a, what a loser. First. What a loser. Man, get it um, together. T- 
to be fair, he died at like 33 years old. So did he really? Yeah, he was quite young. Wow. How would you like to die at 33 and history remember you is Nick the Great? (laughs) Pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) All right. Nadia Comaneci gets a perfect 10 in the Olympics. Nadia Comaneci gets a perfect 10 on the uneven bars in the Olympics. Um, Aged 12. Underkind or overkind? Overkind. Overkind. Oh, you guys are very confident about this one. Why so confident? Well, there's like, there's, um, there are some, very young. there are some rules about like, you can't compete at it like too young. Right. You can't have a six years old, six year old in the right. Olympics. Right. This isn't Mozart. Um, yeah. She was 14 years old when she got a perfect 10 yep. in the Olympics. Uh, last one, Ted Kaczynski. Oh God. You, <laughs> okay. True to form. <laughs> this is like a very eclectic group of people here. We have like, be- like just unbelievably talented sports uh, athletes and uh, like genocidal maniacs. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ted Kaczynski is accepted to Harvard age 15. Underkind. Overkind or underkind. Der war underkind. underkind. He was younger. So Ian is saying that he was younger than age I 15. Am. I am. Ian sounds profoundly confident. I'm going to agree with him and say Wunderkind. Uh, you are both wrong. You do not get dragon points. Ian. You do not get big man points. Ian. He was age 16 when ah. he was accepted. To- oh, I didn't know that, but it was a well-designed scheme on my part. Sure. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. for uh, Thank you for playing Overkind, Underkind. I don't know winners. who won. Yeah, I think I, I did. I think I, 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 think I won Ian on that won. one. I definitely no, I'm confident. Maybe. Two to one. We'll never know. One of the really interesting things about this book is that a lot of times with fantasy, you kind of have the the trope of the quest. And and Joe, I'd be interested, like, if you could describe Aragon's quest in this book, what what is it? What, what do you think it? his quest is? Well, it's uh a revenge. Joe didn't read it. Quest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Can I fess up here? <laughs> Joe didn't read it. I, I was on vacation. I started uh, reading this book. Okay. Um, sorry. I, I wasn't trying to show you up. I, I, That's cool. How often do you lie to us, Joe? Almost never. Almost never. I only ever did. I only ever did not finish um, Fifty Shades of Grey before right. this, which is yes. fine. Um, this is, is the fine. thing about this this book. It sort of starts off like it's going to be a revenge quest because. This dude, Aragon, has his family, his his uncle killed, and there are monsters, and he wants to track them down. And he starts off doing this, and along the way, he kind of gains more reason for revenge. No spoilers. But eventually, he also kind of starts fleeing arrest because the evil king, who has a great name, by the way. His name is Evil King? No, the name the name <laughs> of the evil king is... Ah. you ready for this? Yeah. Gal, Galbatorix. Good. <laughs> Sounds a great evil. evil Galbatorix. G A L Batorix. And you have to imagine you have to imagine him as played by um uh John Malkovich, which he was in the movie from 2006. Um so so the king, the king is evil and he's trying to track down Aragon. So eventually the revenge kind of shifts to he's running away from arrest. And then eventually there's a love interest who's been poisoned. So he's trying to like race against time to save her. Um, the, the goalposts sort of motivation wise keep moving. This is sort of um, on the one hand, not great because you're like, wait, what, what do they want? Like, what is he up mm-hmm. to? Yeah. It, it kind of leaves you feeling a bit adrift. 
But on the other side, so my first reaction to this sort of lack of clear quest is like, okay, come on, Christopher Powell, 15 year old Christopher Paolini, get this together. But the all on the other hand, I kind of after I've, I read this early, like a couple of weeks ago, and reflecting on it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool because he's a farm boy and he's yeah. a teenager and he's not like this well-established ranger. He's he's kind of bad at stuff like he's <laughs> he gets way better at sword fighting and riding his dragon. But like he has some serious stumbles and the, the lack of a single coherent quest makes this kind of feel more human and more believable because he's not like, I will take this ring to Mount Doom and nothing will stop me. It's like. A lot of a lot of us feel kind of adrift, especially yeah. when we're in our teenage years. And we're like, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to be doing this. Oh, I guess I'm doing this thing. Oh, the cops are after me. Oh, like there's there's this element like it feels kind of more like he is a human being because he doesn't have a single solitary aim that he is only he's not he's he feels like less of a literary character in that regard. Yeah, which is always so hard because like that's very true to life. Like you're saying like that's something that we all go through, but it also is like narratively unsatisfying in a lot of ways, right? Like it's the, it's the kind of movie that you watch and where you're like, wait, what's going on now? Right. Who are these guys? Well, and that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the confusing thing about this book. I didn't come into this with high expectations. And to some extent, the way this book is written, the sort of, the sort of some, some of the, some of the, the, the craft of its writing kept those expectations low. It, it's clearly like his yeah. first novel. It's a debut novel. But it's mm-hmm. young adult, and he was yeah. fifteen. He was right. just a kid, yeah. right? And then, like yeah, knowing, knowing that, knowing the fact, that fact that he was just a teenager when he wrote this, like I cut him more slack than I would um, a fully yeah. grown J.R.R. Tolkien, because like Tolkien should know better. And Christopher Paolini was nineteen. Anyway, the point is, I had low expectations, and this is weird. There was this tipping point where this I realized is like Ian's new favorite book. <laughs> no, not not really. But I, I was like, I, I really want to finish this book. Like, yeah, I, I want to see where this goes. And maybe it was like, he has no idea where he's going. I want to see where he's going. Maybe it was, I had spent enough time with these characters in this world. I was like, I want to see where this is, where this ends up. But I just kind of felt like I had to keep reading. Um, and that's a, that was a very, that was a surprising moment for me because yeah. the first maybe 50, 100, 150 pages, I was, I was, I was, it was a chore. And then eventually I was like, oh, no, I'm doing this because I'm I'm enjoying it to some extent. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob, for recommending this book. Even though I didn't expect to enjoy it, I did have fun. Yeah. I think we all had a lot of fun here today. All right, Lit Heads. Congratulations, Lit Heads. Congratulations, Christopher Paulini. Um, and congratulations, Jacob. Fantastic recommendation. We enjoyed it. Ian loved it. Ian's, Ian, oh, Ian, where does this stand for your dragon books? Oh. List, rank, rank them, dragon books. As far as like books that are like taking dragons as their primary thing, I would say this is maybe in the top 10 or so. Was it better yeah. than Braveheart? No, wait, Dragonheart. Does Braveheart... <laughs> Inkheart, Inkheart. I did. There's a lot of dragon. I didn't. I ain't reading Inkheart. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, Litheads, if you want us to read something, you go ahead to you don't know litpodcast.com. Suggest it. Recommend it. You can suggest a book. You can suggest a theme. You can request a sticker, and Ian will send you one. He'll bring it to your front door. He will bring it to your front door. He's looking for road trip. I'll be dressed in medieval costume. 
King Slayer? <laughs> or just like a dragon. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read a quote. And you guys, oftentimes on this show, I read a bunch of long, like a super long quote. I want you to tighten, tighten your seatbelts because this is very, very short. Oh. And it sums up kind of what I think, what this book is trying to say about the world. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Don't blink. Or what do you call it when you blink with your ears? Don't blink with your ears. I never heard that before, Ian. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, we learned like, so much on this show. Don't blink is when you're looking at something. But when you're listening to something, what's the equivalent? Oh, that's good. Let's spend some time on this. Um, mm-hmm. Hink? Hink. Yeah, don't hink. <laughs> <laughs> Because hearing starts with H. No, no, I got you. Oh, yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool, cool, I love cool, it. It's cool, perfect. Cool. Nice. Um, Great. All right. So um, don't hink. This is, a, <laughs> this is a short quote. Ready? Here we go. Yep. This is something a dragon says to a person. She says, you're... M- <laughs> wow, this is going to be really short. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not hinking. Joe, have you been hinking? <laughs> I, I think I missed it. Ian, did you say it already? I hinked. <laughs> did we hink? No. Ian, we didn't hear anything. No, I read it and I realized how stupid it is. Oh. Here's the quote. This is said by a dragon to a person. She says, you're making my scales itch. <laughs> <laughs> we should do more terrible quotes. <laughs> Lord of the Rings actually doesn't have any dragons in it. Just just Hobbit. <laughs>